We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cool, a blended HD. You want to follow me on Twitter? And it's Thursday, Thursday, November 10th. And uh, we got we got stuff going on today. We got some basketball. We got the NFL showdown. We could take a look at the the Sunday NFL slate, 10 game slate. We don't know if Josh Allen's going to play. Um, so uh, so any, anything you want, kind of a toss up today. Kind of a toss-up. I'll answer questions as, as usual in the YouTube chat. Defic here. Defic here really early. Defic just said, I want to I want to really beat out Wataz and Suki Singh for the good mornings in the chat. Doug Montgomery, Kickstart, Adam Eisen, Daniel Hutchins, Ed, Edward Brown. Boom! 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 Still still waiting on some uh, some election results. Still waiting. If Cortez Masto could pull it off in Nevada. Most likely, I think she's probably. I would, I would line that right now, like minus one forty for for her with the the outstanding votes out. Really, I, I think I'm going to sweep everything, right? And then I'll have to wait for the runoff on the on the Warnick. To get but to get Warnick at plus two forty five is a gift anyway. So whatever. I'm, st- I'm still I'm still in a good mood. Still in a good good mood from uh, from the election betting. Uh so if you got any questions, prize picks, underdog, anything, showdown, NFL showdown. We got. Uh, it's, uh, Falcons Panthers. Can you wait for it? I mean, I'm I'm almost shocked that the total is 42 and a half. Right? I was like, okay, this is like a 37 and a half game. I was like, no, no, actually 20, 22 and a half to 20. I mean, it's the Panthers defense is all right. So so uh, it's it's not the most appealing showdown slate. We have to see uh the you know whether or not Chuba Hubbard's gonna play. Uh because that that'll and then you know that'll affect Deonta Foreman and everything like that. But uh yeah. Let's let's see if the Falcons pass the ball. I I would I would think that that if you want to set up like Mariota passing stacks or something on Showdown, like that that may be contrarian. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's Showdown. You have to play people, right? So if you play the foul, the Falcons are favored, and they run the ball with like seventeen different people. Like Cordell Patterson is eleven eight. So if you, I mean, unless you want to play Patterson at eleven eight, I mean, there's 
You got Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier. I mean, it seems like every, it feels like everyone's overpriced. Terrence Marshall. Ter- Terrace? Oh, it's not even, there's no N in that name. It's Terrace Marshall. Have I, I've been pronouncing his name wrong this whole time. I thought it was Terrence Marshall, but Terrace Marshall, 8,400. Like that's, that's the state of showdown, right? <laughs> the game of Fal- Falcons, Panthers, Terrace Marshall, 8,400. Doesn't project all that well for that price, but uh, but we can talk about whatever you want. Edward Brown says it was a shootout last time they played. You're right. You're actually right. Yeah, that was like a couple, couple of weeks ago. That was only like, what, three weeks ago? They're already playing again? Yeah, I got, got, got to throw something on on Thursday night, I guess. Yeah, I guess it was a shootout the last time, right? 34-28, I believe, right? Because I, I had some stacks that I get. That, yeah, I, I, I like three or four X on those those lineups. I think that was that was the week that, there was one game that really went off that week. Was that the Miami game that went off? There was a game that there was a, a chalky game that went off that week that it would that didn't matter that I had five guys from this game that that did that did shoot out. Uh, so yeah, so we could we could talk about the NFL showdown. We could talk about the NFL main slate. The pricing on DraftKings on the main slate is tight, man. Is is re- is really tight. I mean. I mean, we take a look even at at our RG projections, like the the RG values, the salary adjusted plus minus. That's what that column means. Uh, you know, there's not much value out there when like when we're getting like Marcus Johnson in optimals, when we're getting double tight end in optimals, means that there really ain't that much value. I think uh, uh, depending on uh, Allen's status, I mean, we may get a really chalk defense with the Vikings at twenty two hundred. If uh, if Allen doesn't play, uh, who's who's the backup for Buffalo? Is it Case Keenum? Who's the who, who is the backup? I don't even know. Who's the backup on Buffalo? Let me let me, let me look at the projections. Yeah, Case Keenum. Okay, he's a serviceable quarterback. He'll be five K, but I mean I don't think he's playable. Justin Fields will be super chalk again, even at sixty five hundred. Uh, but I mean like the running. I mean you got you got. I think Damian Pierce is underpriced, and yeah, he'll he'll be very popular at. 6,300 against the Giants. And then we got Derrick Henry uh, on an offense with Malik Willis that like never throws the ball. So 8,300, he'll be kind of chocolate. Barkley against that Houston Texans run defense, which is awful. Then still you got Etienne, Kamara. I mean, I still I still prefer the running backs this late to the wide receivers because the wide receivers, there's like, there's like no value. At our salary adjusted plus minus, the top the top values are a 9K, 8-7, and a 9-1 receivers. Even Diggs, but although Diggs' projection probably comes down if Allen's out, right? When we have Juju and Hopkins, I think it ends up being that we get like guys like Kirk and Deontay Johnson, like guys like that being uh, being a little bit more owned in in balanced builds. Edward Brown says Singletary if Allen doesn't play. Yeah, how is this Buffalo offense going to operate without without Allen? Are they just going to run the ball more? I mean, it just seems like the Bills still throw the. I, I know how much do they trust Case Keenum? He's a serviceable quarterback, right? Case and Case, dude, Case Keenum has has, has played what an entire season with Stefan Diggs, right? Didn't he play for the for the Vikings? Didn't Case Keenum throw that ball that Diggs, you know, when they, in the playoffs or whatever, like on like the last play, and it was some sixty yard catch or something? I don't think Case Keenum is bad. It's 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 better than they used to have. What Nathan Peterman? As a backup, like that's much different. I think Case Keenum is much more serviceable at a quarterback. I mean, you can tell from the line. I mean, the the line has come down. Like Buffalo only has an implied total of twenty three and a half. So, like, I think the bang market is assuming that Josh Allen is not going to play on Sunday. 
Uh, yeah, Wataz is, is a little pissed off at defect. Don't make me set my alarm early. You could probably, it, 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 it all depends on when the thumbnail goes up, right? If the, if the thumbnail for tomorrow's show goes up like earlier, late, you know, it depends on when Steve, and Steve and Steve producer or Devin or whatever sets up the thumbnail. You could just go and just type it in right there, right? You could always be, you could always be the earliest one in chat, even if you don't even show up. Right, go at 9, 9.30 the night before. Like, good morning. Preemptive good morning. So yeah, so uh, so on. It's it's kind of a you know wild card, toss up to toss up Thursday. So whatever you want to talk about, we got a four game uh, NBA slate. At least like all the games, like eight o'clock is the late game. Like that's it, that's it. We're done, right? So you you could theoretically, you could pretty much. I mean, even if you're even if we get like if we if we would have news on the Trailblazers and Pelicans game, they need late swap with. I mean. You could do that. You could do your your NFL showdown lineups, and and you're done. You're at eight fifteen. You're done. Eight twenty. I never. I never. I never remember if it's uh yeah eight eight fifteen. You're done. You're done. You're done for the night. I mean, it's not to me. It's not all that appealing of a of a basketball slate. Last lat yesterday slate. I did not play yesterday's slate. Uh, <coughs> I did do props. I didn't do very well in the props. Uh, I only had like what did I have yesterday? Uh, I only had one, two, three, four, five, six. I only had seven, seven, seven props. Uh, only, only got three, three out of the seven. So it wasn't a very good night. Uh, but yeah, like everyone played Bobby Portis, and then then he got benched, and then it went double overtime, and then he still salvaged something, right? He still, I think he still got 30, 30 fantasy points. He had to play Javon Carter. Like it, uh, it was a, it was stupid yesterday. Why we? We did the show. It's like, oh, Giannis is going to be popular with Drew Holiday out. And then Giannis is then, oh, we're not going to Giannis is important. Does anyone play anymore in the regular season? Every day, no one wants to play. No no basketball players want to play at all during the regular season, I guess. What does says my kids see it sometimes at night and ask if they could say good morning in chat. Do you talk about this show with your kids? Am I am I am I that that essential focus of, of your of your family life? I don't. I don't know if that's a compliment or that's kind of creepy. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'll take it as a compliment. I don't mind. I don't mind you being creepy, right? Feel free to stalk me all you want. Uh, what, what do we have to do before bed, kids? I'm going to tell you a bedtime story, and then they're they're going to you're going to ask. And it's like, what bedtime story should I tell you? And then your kids go, tell me whatever. Tell me whatever you want, right? Tell me whatever you want. Whatever story you want doesn't matter, right? It's about it's about stories, not books. It's about books, not stories. You, you, you just try to infuse anything that I say into into that. And it's like, oh, again, before you go to bed, we got to say good morning. We got to say good morning to Blender. We got to say good morning to him. So let's go and say good morning. Greg Heller says, Diggs if Allen is out. If I'm Keenum, who do I count on? Diggs could easily go 10 for 101. No, I, I do think, however... Even though this this Diggs projection probably does go down, it's I mean you have to figure that he still is going to get the, the largest target share from Keenan, even if their passing rate goes down. And you know the ownership's going to be not I mean like dude, like I could see I could see Diggs being three percent owned at eighty three hundred. So yeah, no, I think from from a, from a leverage perspective, if Allen is out playing, I don't know about playing Keenan Diggs stack type of lineups, but playing Diggs as a one off. No, I think based on the ownership, I think it'll be people are going to over adjust too much and go, oh, yeah, Allen's out. Like, don't even bother playing Diggs. 
So yeah, from an ownership perspective, yeah, no, I, I, it may be worth taking a shot on, on digs, but just understand it'll still be like two or three points lower median projected than, than guys like cop and Adams and Hill and even Hopkins, I guess. Cause like right now Diggs is a little over Hopkins, but you take Allen out. I'm assuming this Diggs projection <coughs> comes down to like 17 or so, something like that, which makes him a little, little overpriced. But I mean, for his ceiling, Right, if he goes 10, 101, I mean, dude, you're talking about what, 29 points? That could be pretty good. If we take a look at some of the totals on this slate, I mean, uh, we got uh, Detroit-Chicago. That, that's a pretty healthy total because Detroit is awful. Uh, what, what was that, 12, 48? Jacksonville-Kansas City is 50 and a half. I think that game will be popular. Cleveland-Miami is 48 and a half. Houston-Giants, that's low. Uh, the the Saints-Steelers is low. The Titans Broncos is wow. 36 and a half. Yeah, good luck stacking that game. I ain't touching that. Uh Vegas, uh, Indianapolis is that's that's only 42 and a half. Dallas Green Bay is 43. Cardinals Rams is only 41 and a half. I mean, there's a lot of low totals. I mean, really, if you take a look at the Buffalo Minnesota game at 43 and a half, that isn't, I mean, that's maybe on maybe in the higher half of games. Yeah, I think maybe it's almost in the higher half a game. So yeah, I think I think people are going to rotate. You know, obviously if Fields is going to be popular, you're going to see a lot of Fields, Mooney, Komet, Claypool, something, single stacks with Amon Ross, St. Brown, run backs, or Jamal Williams or something like that. You're going to see Mahomes stacks or Trevor Lawrence stacks. You're going to see Etienne in there. I think you're going to definitely see Tua stacks. I th- I think it's more interesting to going the other way. Right against Miami, you do the uh, Jacoby Brissett, like Brissett Cooper and Joku, or Brissett Donovan Peoples John. Then you take one of Hill or Waddle. We'll talk about that on the NFL uh, the, the Premium Game Theory Show. That 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 comes out tomorrow. If you're a Roto Grinders Premium member, which you which you should be. I mean, come on. What what do you do? What are you waiting? Right, you get all of this. You everything you're looking at. You get the tools. You get the projections. The ownership. All the premium stuff. Gridiron IQ for all your research. Uh, the premium articles, the premium shows, and I do one with Tuttle on, on Fridays. Comes out the late Friday afternoon. We record it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And then we just break down the slate from a correlation and leverage standpoint. So me and Tuttle for like an hour go through. It's like, oh, this guy's going to be popular. How do we leverage against that? What games, you know, if we're going to correlate some games, how what games are higher owned? What games are lower owned, under owned, over owned? <clears throat> but yeah, but based on the totals, you have to think that that the, this Bears Lions game, the can the Kansas City Jacksonville game, the Miami Cleveland game, those are going to be the main targets because like everything else is so much lower. Going through the YouTube chat, give me those dummy thumbs. By the way, I haven't asked for those. It helps us out. Hit the hit the like button, little thumb, the little thumb. Just hit the little thumb. Bink, bink. Hit the thumb. Hit hit the thumb. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you do. Hit the thumb. Uh, Wataz says that his kids are starting. They watch during the summer. They're nine and six. Your son won't be playing soon enough. Well, not, unless, unless you're running as a county and won't be playing soon enough. Or maybe you shouldn't be saying that publicly. It's like maybe you, right? You, I don't, you have to be twenty-one, right? Or at least eighteen to play. You got a you got a while to go. You got a while to go. Deepik acts for twenty max largest single uh, showdown GPP. Do you spread out captains based on ownership or crunch and see what you get? 
Like that's a diversification thing. Like and anytime you say like how much of something do you that's all that's all about risk tolerance. If 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 I think that a certain captain is very, very underowned, maybe on that slate, I if the edge is there, I go, maybe I play 20 of the with the same captain. I go that that this captain is going so underowned that I want 20 shots at it. I mean, you could do that, or you could think that and go, well, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. So it's really just, it's a diversification question. Build good lineups anyway. Are there 20 lineups to build with that that captain that are plus EV? I mean, maybe there aren't. There probably are, but maybe you can't, maybe you can't build them. So anytime someone asks about, like, how big is your player pool? How much of something versus something? It's like, well, are the individual lineups plus EV? That's That's the most important question. Now, once you're down to building, you build plus EV lineups, maybe you could build 500, 1,000 plus EV lineups, but you, you're you not playing that many. So then it comes down to which 20 do you play? And then it's like, well, if all the if, if this handful of lineups are all positive expected value, profitable long-term, they may have different standard deviations. But it's like how much risk versus the, the, the profitability of each lineup? I mean, you got guys like, uh, like Nerdy Tender, Daniel in the chat, like... His his algorithm, his his supercomputer, as I joke, will still make will make thousands upon thousands of candidate lineups, and then he uses some type of methodology to pick out pick out the ones to play out of those. And some of some of it is randomness. Some I mean, dude, if you, you build a hundred hundred lineups that are all like, okay, these are pretty good, and you're only going to play five of them, I mean, you could just go to random.org and just Type it in. You go, okay, I have 100 lineups. I'm only playing five. And then you just go one to 100. And you go, okay, I'm going to play the 25th lineup. I'm going to play the 10th lineup. I'm going to play the 24th lineup. I'm going to play the 82nd lineup. And I'm going to play the 28th lineup. I mean, like, that's as at, if, you, if you're not considering risk tolerance, if it doesn't matter to you whatsoever, and you believe that all 100 lineups are about the same, this is as good of a method as picking five lineups as any other method. So you could do it randomly. You could do it based on, I like to repeat the, whatever. Anyone with the, I, I'm not going to play any player with the last name with more than nine letters. I mean, you could, it sounds stupid, but if you could pick five randomly and be fine long-term with any five, then any method that you get to your five out of that hundred, doesn't matter how stupid it sounds. You can't beat a random a random selection anyway. <sighs> Daniel wants to know if anyone wants some of his Broncos season tickets. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Broncos. Are you going to the game? Is that is that game in Denver? No, that game is in Tennessee, right? That game is in Tennessee. Yeah, the the Broncos aren't all that uh that appealing to watch. It's probably not that that entertaining. JWH, feel free to post your questions. Right? This is all guided. This is all pretty. I mean, this show in general is guided by you guys. If you have a single entry lineup in NBA and an early player underperforms or snowflakes, would you late swap to maximize leverage, minimize slash eliminate negative correlations and worry less about meeting projection? Yes. I mean, you're if, if an early player underperforms, it's most likely you're not winning, like getting first place in the GPP. But maybe you could salvage equity by not having the chalkiest player in your lineup anymore, right? You're going to have to find leverage. You're going to have to find points that the field, less of the field is going to get. 
I mean, that's that's the basis of those types of late swap decisions, like in football. Oh, I played a 1 p.m. running back that only put up 10 points, Snowflake. And then, like, my, my flex is this other running back in the 4 p.m. game that's going to be, like, 40% owned. Like, we'll switch to another run, switch to the 8% on running back on the other side. You can have, in order to make up your underperformance, you're going to have to find points that less of the field has. So, yes, if I had a single entry line, if I had any line, and an early player is, is you know, is snowflaking, and you know that it's, it's going to end up that way. Like, yeah, if you have late players that are super chalky, like, I would look to lower my ownership. Yeah, you're going to have to lower your projection also. But at that point, it doesn't matter. Like, staying, staying, competitive with the field point-wise isn't doing you any good people are going to pass you but you're, you're sharing the points that a lot of other people have so yes I, I i would definitely be swapping by how much is that that's the judgment call because let's say you have you have a you have a player that's underperforming but you there's two chalk players that are, are performing at the same time and they're snowflaking and they're 40 percent of so it's like, well, okay, now the distance, the gap between you and those, those other people, if you don't have those players, is much smaller. Anchor Malhotra, what's your mindset for building lineup for higher end contests? $500 with about 600 to 1,000 people. Well, you don't have to sacrifice as much projection, but you could also, it's much easier to identify leverage situations. As I discussed on yesterday's show, which you could watch, Ownership in those types of contests tend to be barbell reactive to large field ownership, meaning that the chalkiest players are significantly more chalky. The guys in the middle of ownership don't really move that much. And all of that ownership that goes towards the chalkiest players comes out of the very low, the low owned guys. So someone that's 3% owned in the large field GPP is going to be less than 1% owned in that type of contest you're pointing out. But the guy that's 40% owned in large field is going to be 60%. So that extra 20% is coming out of little ones and twos at the bottom. But in the middle, a guy that's 14% owned is probably going to be around 14% owned in those single entry, smaller field, small to mid-size field, right? 500 to 1,000 entry field. So that's how that's the mindset of adjusting of, okay, I don't have to give up like, 30 points in projection, right? For those, I don't need to win that contest by that dramatic of a score. But I also don't want to play like a cash lineup. I don't want to play the highest medium projected lineup. But it's like, I don't have to sacrifice as much projection. And especially when I, you can identify the leverage spots so easy because a lot of these players do go over owned, right? Probably Bobby Portis last night in, in whatever, the 888 on DraftKings was probably like 97% owned. Right, I think it was 86% in large field last night, I think. That's what I saw on Twitter, right? Because I, I, I didn't play the slate last night. So that that's that's the mindset difference of like, okay, if I got rid of Portis, how much how many points projection am I losing? Now, if you did that last night, you're probably losing like nine points in projection. So maybe you still play Portis anyway. But there are gonna be other players that it's like easy to like, well, I'm not gonna play this 45% don't guy and by taking him out of your lineup, you're only losing like two points of projection. It's like, okay. And you, you lose a couple of those guys, you're down like six, seven points in projection, you're good. And your ownership is like a third of everyone else's. And that's that's fine. There you go. You're done. JWH asks, does the dupe predictor tool, which is part of uh, 
the theory of daily fantasy sports for advanced players, of course, right? This is available right now. Go pick it up, theoryofdfs.com. It includes Excel tools that I personally use, okay? As a lineup optimizer, simulator, trimmer, correlation matrix, duplication checker, contest reviewer. I use these. James made these. So much more efficient. So much more accurate. I used to do this a little bit more manually, but now I use, I use these Excel tools. This is so much easier, so much quicker. But he's asking about the dupe predictor tool. Does it weigh salary left on the table? Yes. I feel like the dupe prediction, a combo of ownership sum, geometric mean, and money left on the table. Funny you should say that, JWH, but those are the exact three things that James puts into the, the prediction. So a lineup that spends 50000 it's much more likely to be duped regardless of the product ownership. And it's more product ownership than ownership sum. So as you go down the salary scale, the, the, the adjustment for duplication is lowered and lowered. So even though the product ownership of like maybe a 49-8 lineup and a 46-7 lineup is the same, the 49-8 lineup is probably duplicated three or four times more because it uses most of the salary. So yes, that that is that is already calculated for in the duplication predictor. But also remember, if you're doing duplication prediction, like even especially for showdown, the ownership differences matter a lot. Right? There's a bit, it sounds it sounds like a little. But the difference between a 12% owned player being 16% owned may move your duplications from like two to seven, that extra 4%, right? So really, you, I mean, you have to see what the delta between projected ownership versus actual ownership. And what I would also suggest to backtest your process is to put your lineups against actual ownership. So like once the slate is done or locked or whatever, Get the actual ownership and then put it in, put the actual ownership in the projected ownership column in the tool and then run your lineups through it, through it again. And go, had I known this was the ownership, what's the predict, what's the duplication prediction of my lineups? What's the ownership uh, product of my lineups? And what's the delta between them? Now, like someone like me, I, I alter ownership. So I could look through and I could go like, I don't think this guy's going to be as owned as, as people think they are or there were, or algorithmic projections think they are. So that's why a lot of times like my lineup, you compare my lineups and go, Oh, your lineup, you played a lineup that, uh, <coughs> and sometimes I'm wrong. Right. Cause that's what ends up happening. Someone's like, Oh, you played a lineup that was duplicated 14 times. It's like, yeah, because I thought this guy was going to be 4% owned and he ended up being 7%. Owned. So I had that lineup is only duped three times. They end up being duped 12 times. It's like, oh, you played a lineup that were 10 or 15 dupes. And I go, yeah, not on purpose. <laughs> not on purpose. It was a mistake, right? I mis I misjudged ownership. Or everyone misjudged ownership. I mean, like, a lot of times it's like, oh, it's not going to, uh, that, that, the guy's not going to be 1% owned. He's going to be 4% owned. And he ends up coming in at 8% owned. But the industry has it at like two and a half. So it's like, I was still more accurate, right? I still put it at four. And I was more accurate than two and a half, but it still came in at six, seven, eight. And trust me, that matters a lot. Two percent, extra two percent of lineups in a contest that has two hundred thousand entries, hundred and fifty thousand entries. 
I mean, if it's hundred, even one hundred fifty thousand entries, an extra two percent is like three thousand more lines that have that player. And with the amount of combinations that are limited in showdowns, that may mean another ten versions of the lineup that you think is only duped twice. So really nailing ownership, it's it's very fragile when it comes to predicting duplication, when it comes to really fragile ownership. <clears throat> C.Carter NYC says, I've learned so much from you. Oh, okay. I now only do GPPs and making a killing on Yahoo tourneys. I'm now unemotional. Well, you should still be emotional. Just not in, in playing DFS. Like you shouldn't go walking around like a robot or anything. Or maybe you should. Maybe that's better. Maybe the the world would be better if everyone was a robot. I, 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 okay, I'm down with that. I, I, originally, I was like, no, we should be emotional. Like, no, I think I'd enjoy my life more if everyone else was a robot. Yeah, I think I think so. I, th- I think I would. Especially ones that I could program. I could program all the robots so they don't act stupid. Right? No stupid questions. That's first first part of the programming. No stupid questions. And uh, do whatever you want, right? Other than that, do whatever you want. But uh, but but congrats on the Yahoo tournaments. Yeah, there's probably edge over on Yahoo. Less less liquidity over there. Like like I like I always said. Like yeah, I would play on Yahoo if I was more than one person. There's only so much one person can do. Dude, that, dude, I tried playing on multiple sites a while back. Like every every third day, I'd forget about a site. Like it'd be stupid. I'm working so hard on DraftKings lineups and lock hits, and I'm like, oh, I forgot I have FanDuel lineups. Or I take care of FanDuel, and then, oh, I have Yahoo lineups. Whoops. Dummy lineups and everything. <coughs> so I'm like, dude, I, I need to I need to focus. I need to focus on what I'm doing. But yeah, if you're playing on a smaller bankroll especially, go find go find the biggest edge that you can. You get $100 down on Yahoo, if that, that's the biggest edge, get your first 100 down on there. Then you go over to FanDuel. Then go over to DraftKings. Props, right? Like I've been playing, I've been doing props more than I'm doing cash games. So, well, why can't you do both? Well, I can do both. But it's how much bankroll allocation do I want to get? Where do I have a bigger edge? I have a, I, dude, my ROI in props is four times higher than in DFS cash games. So why the hell am I allocating bankroll to cash games that I could be allocating to props? So that's what I've been doing. I mean, that it's just a, a simple financial calculation. JWH says, I don't have the ingredients for the secret sauce of ownership projection modification from Blender's Kitchen. Well, Blender's Kitchen is a much more imp- improvisation, right? I don't have ingredients. There's no like recipe. People ask me all the time. Can I get your ownership? I, I What am I supposed to do? 45 minutes before the slate locks? on an NFL slate or whatever. I'm going, nah, he's not going to be, ah, this guy's not going to be 12. He's going to be eight. This guy's not going to be 16. He's going to be 22. They go, well, how do you come up with those exact numbers? It's like, it feels, feels, that's what I feel like. <laughs> you can't back test it though, right? That's that, that. That's the only problem. It's really, you're doing that and you're doing late swap. I'm like, none of this stuff is, that's why a lot of people don't do it, right? Daniel Hutchings in the chat. Right, he does everything. He pushes a button. It's like I, I mean, he has no idea what's going on. So like, oh, numbers come out. I push a button, everything runs, and those are the lineups. Right. So how do you back test? Like, oh, I'm going to alter stuff based on like, based on I, I feel I'm a, I, I think he's going to be higher. I don't know. 
right? And then late swap re- removes like, oh, okay, well, all this late swap stuff, you can't like run what you originally had against it. So a lot, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the computer people, they, they, their, their heads go, their heads explode where it's like, oh, a process that's not back testable. Boom, boom, their heads explode. And yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be a much more, more higher margin of error by doing it more bluntly. But then I just hope over the, over the course of seven years, seven plus years, it's been successful. So there's a, there's enough dead money. There's enough edge in DFS that I guess I could get away with doing it the way that I do it. If it wasn't, then I, then I just wouldn't play DFS anymore. And from most likely even the, even the computer people, they would stop playing DFS. <laughs> As you see, I still I, <laughs> I still have this cough. <laughs> it's gotten better. It's gotten a little bit better. <laughs> C. Doc Carter says, "Yeah, I replaced cash game with props. My most profitable year." Yeah, the line, it, dude. When it comes to when it comes to props, when it comes to sports betting, beating the lines are the easy part. Okay, the finding bad lines is easy. Don't make pe- people act like it's some big deal. It's it's not hard. You know what the hard part is? Getting the money down, or getting enough money down that it's worth even doing. Like that's that's more like finding outs, getting accounts. Like if you want to do it seriously. But if you, it, I, 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 dude, I, I've I've said this. If you want to make five thousand to ten thousand dollars this year on props, that is absolutely possible in fact likely like literally likely <clears throat> if you want to take some money aside and say this year i'm going to make five to ten thousand dollars betting props every day finding the biggest edges and betting x percent two 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 to four percent something like that in that range and at the end of the year you come out ten thousand dollars ahead that's not complicated to do it's it's, re- it's really not it, it, I mean, it, it's so doable. And if that pays for your family vacation or something like that, God bless you. Goes to your kid's college fund, way to go. If you want to make 100000 plus, a little bit more complicated. If you want to make a million plus, a lot more complicated. If you want to make $10 million plus, very, very complicated. Because, like, how do you get that money down? Right, you, can start, you start getting limited everywhere. It's like, oh, so you now I have to find outs. Now you have to do head fakes. You have to find betting partners. It's it's like 95% of the work is that. Okay? I can tell you from experience. 95% of the work is that. And if you don't enjoy that work, it's awful. Finding the lines to beat it, that's the easy part. That's 5% of everything. But the 95% of finding accounts and getting outs, like if you're only if you're betting $25 on props. And you have you have you know twenty books that that you have available to you, you can make five to ten thousand dollars. I mean, easy. Sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. You get our statistical projections for NFL, for NBA, for MLB. Just use those. Compare the lines. There you go. It's not complicated. It really isn't. It really isn't. You find arbitrage opportunities where one book has this and one book has that. The lines haven't moved, and there's there's money in the middle. You bet X on this side, bet X on that side. You could find you could you even even at at decent limits, you could find 
I think every day, if you if you looked, you could find like a free fifty dollars, like a, a literal free fifty dollars, if you spent the time to look, like for, like where where one where one line is, what it's minus one one twenty one place and plus one fifty another place, right? The lines haven't moved and adjusted yet on a certain market or a derivative of a market. And then you eat up and then you go, okay, I'm going to take my eight bucks there. Right. You use like sell or you use a little, tell you which, which a little calculator and tell you which side to bet on which to get the, get the arb in the middle. You take eight bucks there and then you find something else and you go and you could probably find 50 bucks. No problem. Just buy by eyesight. Essentially. If you can do that every day. I mean, what's $50 a day, $50 a day. times 30 is like 1500 bucks a month. Right. Some days maybe you can't find it. Maybe maybe it takes a little bit more work. <clears throat> Can you find 20 bucks a day? 20, 30? It's absolutely. Absolutely. Probably a little bit easier on live betting. Live betting arbitrage is because is, is a lot of the books don't have very good like live betting odds. Of course, you have to time things well. You should be able to find arbitrage. I mean, like just arb where where it doesn't matter what happens. Like that's what an arbitrage opportunity is. Where you're getting plus money and minus money, and you bet the right amount on both sides. And if this team wins or the whatever bet it is, you lose. You, you you win it. You you win eight bucks either way, right? If this wins, you get plus money. This wins, you get you laid money, but you made more money in the plus money. I mean, that's what that's an what an arm is. Probably not in props. You're probably it's more likely in a. Game totals, most likely sides and totals. And especially in niche markets. So if you're only betting, you know, 100 bucks here, 100 bucks there, it's, it's doable. Edward Brown says the growing popularity of prop betting feels like the poker explosion in the early 2000s. Yeah, but you're not really facing other people. I'm waiting for the prop stuff to come where you're facing other people. Where we have like DFS GPPs that are based on prop betting. <coughs> Where, okay, you have to pick eight prop bets, right? Out of on an NFL Sunday, out of like a thousand available, and you have a salary cap or whatever, less salary, and then whoever <clears throat> whoever makes the most money or whatever gets a hundred thousand dollar. Right? It's like it's like a fake salary, like that type of game. And then you could then then it's ownership. It's like oh, this prop is way off. Well, that that prop is probably going to be owned twenty three percent of line of cards then you could incorporate game theory into that that's what i'm waiting for <coughs> daniel Hudgens says it's much the same in dfs relatively easy to make beer money a bit harder to get vacation money hard to make big money yeah why do you think my my goal my goal is fairly fairly humble can i average 50 to 75 thousand dollars a year playing DFS. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do get paid to do this show from Roto Grinders. Not not that much. Not as much as you think. I do sell, right? The theory of DFS, the two courses, there's Excel tools with James. That's a nice little stable, you know, underpinning of like, like, let's say, let's say I don't have the greatest of DFS years. Well, I still have income coming in. If I have a great year, then I have a great year. Right? It's going to be ups and downs. 
but averaging fifty to seventy-five thousand, it's it's but much harder, much harder than averaging five to ten thousand. Sure, yeah, but it's doable. That's what that's. I mean, you 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 should know me, Arna. I try to promote realistic. These are realistic things. You don't come here. How do I? How do I win the millie? Like build plus EV lineups and hope to get lucky in your lifetime. Like they hope, hope variance goes your way. I hope it does. I hope it does for me. Other than that, like what else can I tell you? Don't don't judge people by like, oh, did they have enough hundred thousand dollar screenshots? Like no, I, there are pl- there are plenty of people in DFS that you've never heard of that are consistently making twenty five to fifty thousand, fifty thousand to seventy five thousand, five figures a year. Without without really putting that much, having that much risk of ruin. That's what I promote. But of course, it's it's so much more sexier where it's like, oh, million dollar screenshots, 500,000 bucks. Oh, I have 74 live final seats, you know, like that type of stuff. Yeah, if you want to take shots, take shots. But understand that, you know, maybe half the time you go broke doing it. And if you don't mind that, go for it. What am I to judge? Me? I want my risk of ruin to be almost zero. It's not going to be, right? can't be zero but i don't mind i don't mind giving up something for the sake of me not having to worry about anything right but i'm 43 years old if you're 22 and you have no dependents and no nothing no expenses no significant other no nothing you got you got 20 30 grand you're like ah let's see if i can turn this into a million bucks i'll go for it it's the worst thing that happens you're 23 years old who cares your, uh, your time horizon is much longer. And yes, JWH, I think I'm describing no house advantage. Yes. No house advantage has games like what I'm talking about. Their liquidity is quite low, though. Troy Hobeck says my bankroll hasn't fallen since watching the course. Well, that's good. Just understand if you're playing GPPs, it's going to go down. The whole point of like, you're not going to consistently win GPPs. It's a Slow, slow, low, 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 and then a big spike. So just always understand that. JWHS, what kind of bankroll do you think you need to earn a consistent 5K to 10K a year playing 2 to 6% of bankroll per slate? I mean, just do the math. I mean, it depends on what you're playing. Because remember, if you're playing GPPs, the hits are going to come when they come. So that's why I say an average of fifty dollars to $75,000 a year. I've had two years... In DFS, I've had one year where I've I made over two hundred thousand, and I have another year where I made over one hundred thousand, and then I also had a year where I made like eight thousand total. That's it. But you shift the months like two months, and then it comes out to now it evens out. So it's like the the year of January through December are just like they're arbitrary markers. So it's like average. So over the course of seven years, I've made over a half a million dollars which is fine, right? Because I'm not, I'm, oh, I made, oh, I won $100,000. Let me buy a Ferrari or something. I don't do that. Like, it just, it just goes in my bankroll. So to me, it's not a matter of, oh, well, you made a lot this year, but next year you made nothing. Was, oh, uh, how did you eat? It's like, well, because I still have all the money from last year. Like, I don't, my lifestyle, my lifestyle really doesn't change. Yeah, I go to a couple of more wrestling events, right? 
like last year, like this year, right? This year, WrestleMania, go to double or nothing, do a little bit more of that. But outside of that, not, my lifestyle doesn't change, right? I, I own like two pairs of pants. I own one pair of shoes, right? I wear, I wear, I, I, have, I have a hat until it gets like dirty or whatever. And then I get another hat, right? I have about maybe 20 shirts and they're all just decent. I mean, like, what am I spending the money on? Yeah, maybe maybe we order delivery a little too much, right? Maybe I get a little too much sushi for lunch. That's about it. I, I splurge on that stuff. Maybe we have uh, we have uh, subscriptions to uh, all the streaming services that we don't necessarily need. How often do I watch Paramount Plus? Yet for I still pay five bucks a month or whatever for it. For whenever Picard comes out or there's some uh, uh, women's soccer on or something. Yeah, so there's a yeah, yeah, there's some some a little bit of splurge in here and there, but other than that, I want 100k GPP, it doesn't change my life, right? It just makes me more financially secure. And it allows me to play a little bit. Now my percentage of my DFS and my prop play goes a little bit up. And then I make a little bit even more of a return in raw money. Like that. And then then they put you put money in your you put money in your Roth IRA, right? You do that. Right for later. Put some money in a brokerage account, some index funds or ETFs or whatever. You let that sit. You don't care. You put 500 bucks a month in that. And there you go. It's not exciting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's not exciting. But to me, to me, it's exciting. My whole, my whole goal from since I was 23 years old, when I worked, when I worked on like Wall Street and stuff and doing web development, was I don't want to have a real job. Real jobs suck. Having bosses suck, right? That type of shit. I never want to have that anymore. So whatever, whatever I get involved in, it just it has to make money. I'm gonna find a way for it to make money, so I can just do what I like to do, and I don't have to deal with anyone else. I don't have to wear a suit and a tie or anything. That's my goal. To me, I th- I'm living the dream. Yeah, but you're not. You're not. I'm not. I don't have like a, a seventy seventy thousand dollar bottle of wines and. And going going to Aspen and skiing or whatever whatever rich people do whatever <laughs> whatever they do I don't care we'll let them do that good good for them dude I wake I what I wake up a half an hour before the show I yell at people on YouTube then I I I, I listen to podcasts I maybe take a little nap I take a look at some stats I I open some spreadsheets build some lineups talk to people in Discord. You know, have some lulls on Twitter and watch, watch. I don't even watch the sport. I mean, I'll watch Thursday night football or watch wrestling or something. Then you do that all again. And then like, okay, what's Saturday morning? Well, it's soccer. And then it's MMA. Like, dude, that's the dream. It's a dream. That's all. That's my, that's what my goal is. If your goal is I want to make $17 trillion, probably this probably said, but probably opening up a crypto exchange probably more likely to do that well if you did that and then run away with people's money right that's more you're more likely to do it there than, than in dfs jwa says blender's been saving up for his eight dollar a month twitter blue i did i i got the blue check mark yesterday i wanted to see what it did right and also i could write it off i could put it on my business expense so so who cares who knows if it goes away? Elon Musk will change stuff all the time. But I'm just like, okay. Oh, and now I can edit a tweet. I could 
I could undo a tweet now. I could remove a bookmark or something. Probably not. It's not worth eight bucks a month. So I'm like, okay, let's let's see what it is, right? I pay for it this month and next month. That's 16 bucks I can put as an expense for my business. It's a business expense. Okay, there you go. George Duarte, what are you spending the money on? Cool cars, hot chicks. Well, kind of hot chick. My wife, my wife spends my money, right? So it's it's more it's more like it helps her more than me. I think she spends more of the money than I do, right? JWH is no time for a social life when you're late swapping lineups with NBA games every 15 minutes. That's right. What are you doing, even if you're single? Oh, I'm making tons of money in DFS. It's like, oh, you want to go out tonight at 9 o'clock and go clubbing or whatever people do? It's like, nope, I got a late swap. Like, when when when, when can we do it? Well, May? Can we, we'll, we'll go on a date in May, right? When it's over. And then it's like, where, where? Then you see them packing up their bags. Where are you going? <clears throat> I'm losing my voice now. This cough, this cough's got to go away. Right, but uh, maybe it'll go away in time for, uh, I have to save my voice for uh, tonight's uh, recording of the MMA Grounded Pound podcast. We got a UFC pay-per-view coming up on Saturday, okay? So uh, we'll be covering that tomorrow. Because tomorrow, on Fridays, I always do MMA. It's like our only free MMA content. So I'll be talking about the MMA stuff tomorrow. And uh, and if you sign up for Roto Grinders Premium, you'll get the, the MMA Ground and Pound podcast with me, with Liam, with Mike. We break down each fight one by one. There's 14, 14, I believe, on Saturday. So sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Get theoryofdfs.com, right? Get get this. Get the tools that I use. But I also, I mean, it's not just Excel tools. I mean, I use Lineup HQ. I mean, like, this is the number one tool that I use. And I use the projections that we have here at Roto Grinders. If you want to get all of that, just click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And if you have any further questions you ever want to ask me, I'm always hanging out at the Blenders Game Theory channel in our Discord. So you just post whatever you want there. I've been talking to some new people, helping them out, right? I'd rather you listen and watch some more shows or whatever so I don't have to answer the same questions 74 times. But if you want to ask me anything, just go to that, go to that channel in the Discord. And then I also run two or three times a month, uh, you know, Zoom coaching calls. So I'm, and I'm much nicer on those. I'm actually, I'm actually a lot nicer on those. <laughs> oh, Devin's in the chat. Oh, Devin's up early now. Oh, Devin's going to troll me in the chat. What narrative that you hear people talk about gives you the most joy to hear people are focusing on the wrong thing. We don't have enough time. This is not a two-hour show, Devin, because I can just keep on naming everything. What narrative? I mean, it depends on the sport. But I'm, in NFL, in NFL, it's always probably wide receiver cornerback matchups. Probably. Which one do I consider the dumbest? It's probably it's probably that. No, 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 no. No, it easily has to be uh, BVP. <coughs> BVP in baseball. Absolutely. That's even even worse than wide receiver quarterback matchups. BVP doesn't mean anything. Or the better way of putting it is that it means something, but you can we never have a sample size to know what it means, what whenever it means. So it's it's useless. It's it's just absolutely useless. 
You could say it, you could say it means anything you want at any time. Because people will say, oh, well, p- people do better against certain pitch. No, that is correct. But in a seven at bat sample, there's no, no I, it's all noise. Yes, it exists, but when does it exist? No one knows. You're going to need hundreds of at bats for that to be stabilized. And that doesn't exist. Even the guys that are like, oh, and this guy, this guy has 130 at bats against this pitcher. Yeah, but some of these at bats are from 10 years ago. There were a different batter, a different pitcher. A different, I mean, like, do you count those stats? Guy doesn't pitch at 97 miles an hour anymore. This batter isn't 22 years old anymore. So what does that matter even? So, yeah, BVP probably. But, yeah, not enough time to answer that is also a good answer. Right? It's a lot of stuff. Most of the stuff, anything that you shouldn't be looking at or should be looking at is already factored into the projections. So that's that should be the key point of anything that you would look at, even if it did matter. By looking at it, you're double counting what's already in the projections. So that's why I say many times that the better and better you get at DFS, the less and less you less and less quote research you do. You start weeding out all the stuff that really doesn't matter or that you've been double counting that is redundant with what you're already looking at. So you're getting rid of all this stuff and then it's like, wow, I, I can make MLB baseball DFS lineups that are profitable in eight minutes. Like, yeah, yeah, you don't have to do you, Dude, everything's kind of done for you already. JWH says someone needs to come out with advanced BVP where it's batter versus opposing pitcher and this 50 nearest neighbor pitchers. You want like correlative pitchers? Because people try to use pitch effect stuff and that's not even predictive. Dude, the pitch effect stuff, uh, that's, that's another thing. That's another narrative. This guy hit sliders well. What you're looking at does not say that. You think it does, but it's not. It doesn't say that. Pitches pitches have x-axes, y-axes. It's a three-dimensional space, and it also has speed and motion, motion and release points. Okay? So one, one pitcher slider doesn't look like another pitcher slider. One pitcher slider is better than another pitcher slider. Imagine, imagine saying this guy's great at hitting curveballs, so he's going to... He's going to do great against Clayton Kershaw in his prime. Like, there's a difference between hitting hitting a rando relief pitcher curveball and Clayton Kershaw's curveball, right? Oh, this guy's good. This guy's good at changeups. Oh, Pedro Martinez. He throws. He's probably the best changeup in the history of baseball. Oh, but he, oh, he's going to smash Pedro Martinez. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, he's going to hitting bad changeups. Or pitches that are described as changeups. It's closely the 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 release point and everything and how the pitch looks is closely resembles what we bucket as a changeup or bucket as a slider. But it's not exactly the same. Every pitcher doesn't pitch exactly the same. So they're just but these are just bucket descriptive buckets. So pitch effect, there's 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 not there's really not much predictive power on the pitch effects metrics of pitchers of batters versus certain pitch types or how much does one pitcher throw? Oh, this, this pitcher throws a cutter 40% of the time. 
It's not the same pitch. It's a pitch that is bucketed into a cutter. But certain cut, like his cutter may look different in different times of the game. His cutter at, at, at in the first inning is, sl- is straighter in the first inning, but when he gets tired in the fifth inning, his cutter moves this way a little bit. They're both cutters, but they're they're technically different pitches. Jenna Sandy asked Splendor, are you doing the NFL showdown uh, crunch time tonight? No. But he, but she does love, or he, or whatever. Jenna loves when I'm there. No, I don't think I'm doing one until uh, the end of the month, right? I'm on there every so often. Okay. So I think we're good for today. I think we're good. We tossed it up. We talked about a bunch of stuff, right? Different things. That's what we do. That's what we do here. It's primarily guided by you. I come in with like an agenda that we could, you know, a bare basic. If no one says anything, I have stuff to talk about. But for the most part, this is this is this is all about you. It's all about my YouTube people, even the podcast people that don't right. We have we have like thousands of people that listen to this as a podcast. I don't answer their questions. Why? Because they're not here. So you have to show up, show up on YouTube. Give me those thummy thumbs, right? The thummy thumb people are even are even the better people. And the people that sign up for Roto Grinders Premium by clicking on the link in the description, getting $10 off your first month of a combo premium package, those are even better people. You know who's even better than that? The people that also get the theory of daily fantasy sports. How to apply profitable DFS strategies for advanced players. 10-chapter audio course. It's new. And all the, the, the Microsoft Excel tools that James McCool has developed to make your process more systematic, more repeatable, more time efficient, more accurate. So you can play a lot of sites. You can play a lot of slates. But you could get rid of, you know, instead of an hour to take you to build lineups, <coughs> it takes you 10 minutes. So go get that at theoryofdfs.com. And I'll be back tomorrow talking about this UFC pay-per-view slate. Uh, it, it's, I like the slate. I, of course, I like large slates because uh, <coughs> we got a lot of uh, a lot of options. We got two five-round fights. So a lot, of, a lot of places to find leverage, a lot of unique combinations that we can make, and we'll discuss it tomorrow and answer your DFS strategy questions like I try to do here Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern. On the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com. 